Ah, the 1980s. I do like to talk about that era of Doctor Who quite a bit, don't I? There is a reason for that. When I was very young, I only really had VHSs of the 5th, 6th and 7th Doctor. But it's also a goldmine for content. There's so much that happened in that decade to the show that makes for good videos. Why did it get suspended? Why did it get taken off the air? Why was Colin Baker cast? Why was there an entire season that wasn't made? But I feel like the most intriguing question is, how did it make it to 1989 in the first place? Now, there are many factors to that, but one of them is this man right here, John Nathan Turner. Far from a beloved figure, John Nathan Turner took to the helm of the show in 1980. Having already worked on the show in almost every role you can imagine since the 1960s, this was an in-house appointment and this is someone that the BBC knew, knew the show. When I say this figure is polarising, I can't think of anyone in the history of the show who's got more of a polarising set of opinions. Some people think he saved the show, some people think he contributed to its death. There is equal merit for both of those arguments and we're going to look at it today. We're going to look at a timeline of John Nathan Turner's time on Doctor Who. What did he do to help? What did he do to hinder? And we're going to see what we come up with at the end. So let's talk about John's actual rise to role of producer first of all, shall we? So starting in 1969, he was on the floor crew for Doctor Who, all the way back when we were filming in Studio D. And his credits can actually go as far back as the Space Pirates. During the John Pertwee era, he worked quite a few times as an assistant floor manager. And then by the late 1970s, he'd become production unit manager under producer Graham Williams. A role he kept until 1979. This would be someone who had seen the highs and lows of the 1970s, this is someone who would know the show very well. So it was only natural that the BBC decided to use him as the next producer of Doctor Who. Now, unlike previous producers like Graham Williams who had kept the show in the same vein as it had been under the Philip Hinchcliffe era, if not a little more comical, JNT wanted to change the show up entirely. Bringing the show into the 1980s was his mandate and it's something that he very heavily achieved. For better or worse, I'll let you all decide that. But in his own words, he felt like in the more recent years of the show, people like Douglas Adams and Tom Baker had not been taking the show seriously. He felt like it had become a parody of science fiction rather than something that could be used for serious storytelling. He also felt like Tom Baker had too much creative influence in the show. And maybe, to his own detriment, instead of confronting him about this, he straight up got rid of his creative influence. Now, in my opinion, that's probably why Tom Baker left. As Tom Baker has said himself, he has always been in a constant battle with people who think they know the character better than he does, and I don't think it's a battle he would have won, so I don't think he should have stayed around. And so began the sweeping changes that John Nathan Turner implemented. In an attempt to bring the show into the 1980s, sweeping changes were made. Costumes, actors, production staff... Everything was changed. Visually, the show looked entirely different. Although we had the familiar faces of Tom Baker and Lala Ward, we did now have an entirely new wardrobe, the fourth Doctor sporting an old burgundy outfit. Something altogether more contrived of his previous outfits, with the biggest headline being a big collared shirt with question marks on it. This would become a staple of Doctor Who in the 1980s. The TARDIS prop was changed out to be a much darker, grittier looking police box. They even made a slight alteration to the sonic screwdriver painting the emitter a slightly darker red. With all these darker colours came darker themes in the episodes. 
When the showrunner said he wanted more serious storylines, he definitely got them. With the overly complex E-Space trilogy, Megloss, The Leisure Hive, and eventually The Keeper of Tarkin and Legopolis. All being a bit darker in tone than the stories that had come before it. A personal highlight for me being State of Decay, where we get to see vampires explored in Doctor Who properly for the first time. Now it wasn't just in front of the camera where all the changes were being made, many changes to the staff and production crew of Doctor Who were made during this time. The most surprising loss during this era was Dudley Simpson, who had been composing for Doctor Who since 1964, suddenly was not needed anymore by John Nathan Turner. This was done in an attempt to give the series a more modern sound, bringing composers like Peter Howell, Paddy Kingsland, Malcolm Clark, and Roger Lim, many others as well. And this somewhat would work out, as we would have such iconic soundtracks as Trial of the Time Lord, Earthshock, Legopolis, and stories like that. But then you'd have the odd stinker like Attack of the Cybermen. The new script editor of the show was Christopher H. Bidmead, who was given a lot of freedom in terms of crafting the series, as John Nathan Turner didn't have any writing experience. Together with former script editor Barry Letts, were able to create a very good season for what it was, the only blip on this map being Megloss, as it still contains some of the more ridiculous elements of the previous era. During the crafting of this story, the only notion that John Nathan Turner wanted was for the Master to return as a long-term villain, casting Anthony Ainley in the role, giving a masterful performance. <laughs> oh, never mind. And then, as the series went on, those regular cast members that I mentioned, they started dropping like flies. Lala Ward as Romana left the show at the end of Warrior's Gate, with Tom Baker following suit at the end of the season in Legopolis. Now, very briefly, it was said by Tom himself that he probably should have left in 1979, and maybe that is the case, but having Tom Baker around for this season definitely helped the transition into this new era. So by the end of this first season of John Nathan Turner's, he'd lost Barry Letts, he'd lost Christopher H. Bidmead, and he'd lost his two stars. Essentially, he was starting from scratch, and he had one of the biggest decisions in television history to make. Who could play the Doctor after Tom Baker? Eventually, up-and-coming, all-creatures great and small actor Peter Davison was chosen. Now, you could debate day and night about if Peter Davison was a good Doctor or not, but on paper this was a great casting. Someone who was in the public eye, someone who was quite young, and someone who did have a bit of a star profile about him after being in the aforementioned all-creatures great and small. The age of the Doctor also came into his characterization, I believe, as this was a more vulnerable and more caring Doctor. You can watch an entire video about how I feel about Fifth Doctor, it's uh, going to be linked in the description below. But this casting very much felt like a manifestation of what John Nathan Turner wanted. Younger, up-to-date, more now in the 80s type of Doctor, you know? Now this would also mark a seismic shift in the show, as over the course of season 18, the Doctor picked up quite a few companions, firstly with Adric in Full Circle, then Nyssa in The Keeper of Tarkin, and then Tegan in Legopolis. So by the time Tom Baker left the show, there was something resembling a TARDIS team, the likes of which we hadn't seen since the 1960s. And with this dynamic, you needed a Doctor who was more giving than the fourth Doctor. You needed a Doctor who was going to listen to his companions and be more like a big brother figure, more friendly figure, than the unobtainable professor that the fourth Doctor was. 
With season 19 underway, we had a new script editor in form of Eric Sayward, we had the Doctor and Peter Davison, and we had our new cast of companions. Adric being played by Matthew Waterhouse, Tegan being played by Janet Fielding, and Sarah Sutton playing Nyssa. This series would continue with the darker nature of the script set up in season 18, and would even see a companion death in Earthshock. That more dramatic edge that John Nathan Turner wanted was definitely present in this season. That's not to say it didn't have its problems. A lot of the companions in this season were afterthoughts, as at least one of them would be sidetracked for an entire story, 9 times out of 10. And this is something that would plague this entire era, if I'm honest with you. But at least we got some good stories out of it. With the show successfully reinventing both the Master and the Cybermen in the space of a year, it looked like the show was really ready to update everything into the 1980s, even coming up with some good new villains in the form of Amara. Unfortunately, a seminal date kind of changed the thinking of the whole series, and you'll see what I mean in a moment. 1983 saw the show reach its 20th year, and as a consequence of this, every story in the 20th season would have a recurring element from the show's past. Seeing faces like the Brigadier and Omega return. All to mixed results. Unfortunately, due to the general popularity of this nostalgia, John Nathan Turner thought it would be a good idea to go in this direction in the future, but we'll come back to that later. When it came time for the 20th anniversary special itself, John Nathan Turner and his production team planned to do The Five Doctors, bringing back all on-screen Doctors for one amazing story. There were many, many problems with this, but chief among them, Tom Baker wanted nothing to do with it. Some early negotiations with Tom showed some promise, but he completely lost interest in the idea. He did, however, attend the 20th anniversary convention event in Longleat, which led to this perfectly uncomfortable picture of him and JNT next to each other. Apart from which, when creating this special, John Nathan Turner gave a bullet point shopping list style list of ideas for writers to follow when creating this story, which caused Robert Holmes to drop out of the project initially, to be taken over by Terence Dix and finally getting it sorted. It was around this time as well that John Nathan Turner became very interested in the convention circuit, where his attention started to be drawn towards America. As season 21 began, Peter Davison decided that he had had enough as the Doctor and he was going to leave the show. With season 21 enduring a lot of the problems that season 20 did, with the Silurians and Daleks being recurring villains, the former especially having a very lacklustre outing, the series would at least have a good narrative thread of the Doctor being the nicest guy in the universe, being put in the worst situations possible. All hammered home, especially in Resurrection of the Daleks with Tegan leaving. But by the end of the Peter Davison era, you felt like there was unfinished business. There were great standout stories, but nothing would consistently tell you he was an amazing Doctor. I feel like a lot of that is to do with John Nathan Turner's vision colliding with the vision of his script editor. And Turner's my way of a highway kind of attitude did come back to bite him with his next appointment. After appearing as Commander Maxwell in the Ark of Infinity and impressing John Nathan Turner, I kid you not, at a mutual gathering, Colin Baker was offered the role of the Sixth Doctor. Having previously been praised for his work in Blake Seven and The Brothers, Colin Baker did have the acting ability to make the Sixth Doctor work. Unfortunately, the actor had an awful lot working against him, least of all his horrific costume! 
but also this was a time of upheaval as Eric Sayward and John Nathan Turner didn't see eye to eye at this point. The writers coming in were inexperienced and there was a general lack of quality in the show at this point. A lot of that can be whittled down to John Nathan Turner's decision making. It was his choice to have the Doctor be unlikable, it was his choice to have the costume design that they did. Yuck. And in the end this drove away lots and lots of viewers and the show was indefinitely put on hiatus in 1985. Now this was a real low point for the show but they did recover somewhat when they did the Trial of the Time Lord series where Robert Holmes returned to write the first half of it. But then another issue struck. Unfortunately Robert Holmes passed away whilst these scripts were being written and Eric Sayward was deeply saddened by this. Sometime after this Eric Sayward quit and it was decided that the story would then be continued by Pip and Jane Baker, who had previously made Mark of Varani. Now, it is said very commonly amongst fans that the quality of the story massively declines at this point, and it didn't finish very strongly. That being said, it was enough of a show to come back. Under certain conditions, of course. The control of BBC One told the Doctor Who producer that he had to fire Colin Baker in order for the show to come back. Feeling like his time was winding down on Doctor Who anyway, he did just that. Firing Colin Baker over the phone. One rejected attempt to mend the bridge and one fiery article later. Nathan Turner was not granted his freedom from Doctor Who as he was made to stay on for the next season. So here he was again, finding a new Doctor. And he found him in the form of a entertainer? Sylvester McCoy was picked to play the Seventh Doctor, and though his early exploits were not very good, he proven to be an incredible Doctor by the end. This time, creatively, the show was pretty much bankrupt. You had Bonnie Langford as Mel as a companion, who was pretty much universally hated, having only just come off the death of Perry, who was very largely thought of as a ploy to get Americans to watch the show. Creatively, the show really wasn't in a good place. Luckily, they were able to bring in Andrew Cartmel, as script editor, and after the first season, which was very shaky, Sylvester McCoy started getting some wonderful, wonderful material so he could work his Doctor into this dark and calculating figure that we would go on to know and love. I have a video about my love for the Seventh Doctor, I will link that in the description as well. But by this point, John Nathan Turner's issues really were showing in the show. Eric Sayward had publicly blasted him for his behavioural problems, Colin Baker had publicly blasted him, and there was a general dislike about him from the fanbase. As I touched upon earlier, he fell in love with the admiration that the show was getting in other countries like Australia and America, and he was frequently trying to get his doctors out to America to do conventions. He was spending more time there than he was on the show, some people have said. And of course there were allegations of things he did at these conventions. I'm not going to bring them up in this video, but you can Google them for yourself. What we do know is that he spent an awful lot of time at these conventions, and it definitely took focus away from the actual quality of the show, and he didn't want to be there anymore. You could tell by the time the show was cancelled in 1989 but he was just done he was done with it and we do have him to thank for dimensions in time so what do i think before i actually tell you my opinion i'm going to preface this by saying that i grew up with the vhs's of five six and seven that was my era 
of the classic series to watch when I was growing up. Having said that, just because I like something does not make it popular, and Doctor Who's popularity definitely did take a nosedive in the 1980s, and you can blame that on a number of things, but I think John Nathan Turner is a reason for that. Be it the decision to flood the TARDIS with companions that didn't really go anywhere, be it the decision to make the sixth Doctor completely unlikable, or be it the decision to make the first half of the Seventh Doctor's era into comedies, something that he had mocked the previous showrunners for. This is someone who clearly loved the show, but maybe loved the limelight just a little bit more, and he really did make the show about him nine times out of ten. And ultimately, the show did suffer for this. And quite frankly, I think the good parts of the series were achieved without him, i.e. either Eric Sayward or Andrew Cartmel or the actors themselves. But you have to give him credit because he facilitated all these things and he really did keep the show going. I guess I'm saying I get why people despise him and there's a lot of reasons to do that. But his contribution to the show is massive. I can't even begin to imagine how daunting a task it would be to replace Tom Baker as the Doctor. How would you even go about that? But he went all in, he stuck with his beliefs and the show was completely remade in his image. But I want to know exactly what you guys think. Hero, villain, monster, what is John Nathan Turner? Let us know in the comments below and I'll speak to you all very soon. Bye bye.